Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, I know you're here. I'm, I'm confident of that because we, we come and we bring you our worship and our praise. And the Bible says where two or three are gathered, you come and you, you are here in our midst. And we thank you that you are here. And we wouldn't want to do service or church without your, your leading and your guiding. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to your people this morning as we uh, enter in to this place of worship, this, this part of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it is Vision Sunday this morning, and uh, this is a photo of, you know, a lot of my youthful uh, drive and passion for running. Okay, I used to run a whole lot, and, you know, it does have a little time on it. That represents a half marathon, marathon that we, I did at one stage, and it was a great achievement. But I wanted just to talk to you for a moment about vision, vision, okay? I remember, has anyone ever competed or done the City to Surf? Anybody? Has anyone heard of the City to Surf? Oh, Meredith, you've done it. Wow. One other than me. That's fantastic. Well, listen, one day, maybe, you need to go do a City to Surf, but don't miss a Sunday, but I don't know how you... Maybe, maybe be on the um, Zoom while you're doing City to Surf, because it's on Sunday. <laughs> but I remember training for City to Surf, and in order to train for City to Surf... I would do pretty silly things. Like I would run up, there was a mountain in, in um, Penrith that was incredibly steep. And I'm not even exaggerating. You can ask Joe after the service. This is not a pastor you know, exaggerating. This is really steep. And it would be somewhat dangerous because it was not necessarily a pedestrian sidewalk. It was on the side, right? But I was so blinded by my focus of trying to achieve a really, really good time for City to Surf. My goal was, I want to get a sub hour. I want to get a sub hour. And this is what it takes. It takes me going to the stupidest, most steepest mountain in Penrith and running up that mountain. I would argue with people and I'd say, hey, it's not that unsafe because the fact of the matter is the car is struggling to get up this hill. So I'm going to be okay, right? We can share this space. But my point being is I had vision. I, had, I, I, I saw what was ahead. What was I trying to aim for? Sub-hour. I will go through the pain. I will go through the, I guess in some way, the danger of running up this road where it's not necessarily a pedestrian. And please don't have a go at me because I've grown up. I've become a lot more wiser. And there are things I did in my youth that I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what I was thinking, right? But the point is vision. Vision gives you sight of what the outcome is. But this morning, I don't want to talk about vision when it comes to something that is superficial, right? Of course, it's good to achieve. We love to achieve. Who likes to achieve? Any of us. It's great, right? A sense of accomplishment. But I want to talk to you about holy vision, holy Vision, and here's the thing, by the way, as far as the running is concerned, right, we all get older, correct? And yesterday, I actually ran with my son, and lucky he's not here, so I can tell you a secret, he actually beat me. He beat me, right? And, and I was trying my best. I wasn't, you know, being a nice father, trying to let my son feel good. No, I was trying my best, but he beat me, and he beat me by 30 seconds. So if you were to start timing your timer, and you'd sit there... 30 seconds is a long time. But so I guess what I'm saying is the, the, the point of you achieving something, a lot of that is uh, temporal and it doesn't last. 
in my case, like I'm saying, I'm no longer as fast as I used to be. I hold my PBs near and dear to my heart, and my son will have to work very hard to beat my PBs. But the point is, right, we want to focus our minds and our hearts on a holy vision, an eternal vision, one that will not grow old with age, will not fade away, but will stay keeping you burning with desire and, and focus right up until the day that you leave this earth. Because there's a vision in the scripture that I want to talk about. Let me just read from Psalm 29, 18, sorry, Proverbs 29, 18. It says this, where there is no vision, and you might have heard this scripture before, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, listen, the vision in this verse, let's, make some, let's get something really correct here. The vision in this verse refers to a divine communication, right? As from a dream, revelation, or prophecy. That's the word vision in the context, The same Hebrew word used in Proverbs 29.18 is found in 1 Samuel 3.1 in the context of the rarity of the word of the Lord and the infrequency of prophetic visions. We've talked a little bit about that in the past in this church, that the old covenant, before the new covenant, the covenantal upgrade, before that was the case, the old covenant was a select few Men of God that were given words from God and they would communicate to the people the word that was given from God. And in this context, it's saying without that word being given from God to the people to have vision, to have sight, without that, people perish. It is by God's word that we live, not by bread and water alone, not by bread alone. Jesus said it, not by bread alone, but by every word that comes out. So we need our our lifeline, our sustenance, our ability to live and breathe and to see is possible by God's divine word giving us sight. Can anybody say amen to that? It is also used to introduce the prophetic books of Isaiah and Obadiah and several of the visions of Daniel, this word vision. So here's the thing. A lack of vision, then, is a lack of God's revelatory word. If you are lacking vision this morning, and I'm not going to just tell you to vision, have vision for anything. I want to align our vision with eternal vision the vision of our Savior. What does our Savior see? In Habakkuk 2.2, it says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Incredible verse. Because here I am to share this morning, church, that this vision, right, that needs that was said write it down, is actually written down in Scripture. We don't have to think, where is this vision? Do I have to go to the, to the desert for X amount of days? No, no, no. There, God gives us vision. It is written down. Then the Lord answered and said to me, write the vision. It is written down. 
The vision is written down in Scripture and make it plain on tablets. It's, cl- it's plain in Scripture. It's plain in your Word. It's plain in your Bible app, perhaps, if you use the Bible U version, which I only discovered recently, and it's been out for about 10 years, and I love it. But it's written down for us to run with it, to see it, to understand what the future looks like or what our God wants the future to look like, and to run with it. Amen? So last week, we spoke about our theme for 2024, kingdom come, worship and witness. Kingdom come, and how does the kingdom come? Through our worship and through our witness. Matthew 6.10, taken from this very written scripture that is plainly written down for us to run with, to to. to Hold on to with all our heart. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was the prayer of Jesus. That's vision. If there was ever vision, that is vision. Jesus clearly told us what is the intention of his heart. What does he see for the future? It is his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how does his kingdom come and his will be done? It actually comes through us. It comes through us. And if you didn't hear last week's sermon of our theme, please hear it because you'll hear the heart of what I'm saying. It comes through us, through our worship and our witness. Listen, when we are close to the King in our worship, in our supplication, in our adoration, in our proclamation, when we are close to our King, the natural response is for you to become a witness. Without the worship, it can often be like a clanging cymbal because you haven't got that, that heart to hear what the king is saying. What is the Holy Spirit? How does he want me to share? How does he want me to witness? I'm close to his heart. I hear what he says to me. I see what he sees. The Holy Spirit reveals to me things that, on my own, without intimacy with the king, I could not see. Worship. Through our worship, our witness is possible. Let me talk a little bit more about what Jesus saw. Because kingdom come, will be done. It's also demonstrated what he sees and what we can take a hold of and see for our future, aligning our heart with his. John 6.38 says this, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. It starts there. Jesus was fully submitted to the will of his Father. It starts there. And it's a question that we can ask ourselves. Am I surrendered and in alignment with the will of the Father? That gives me focus. When my heart is, Lord, I want to, just like Jesus, right, fulfill the will of the Father in my life, suddenly my vision becomes clear. It's not confusing. I know what not to choose. I know what not to dabble in because I want to do the will of the Father. I want to get that sub-hour for City of Surf. I see it. I see it through Scripture. I want to do the will of the Father just like our Jesus, our Saviour, showed us this is how 
we ought to live. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. The death on the cross. Listen, his focus of accomplishing the will of the Father, nothing deterred him. No difficulty deterred him. No persecution, no people wanting to kill him even before his time. He was obedient even unto the cross because that was the will of the Father. It starts there. If you want vision as an individual, and I know that I want to bring vision as a church, collectively we want to carry and own this vision, it starts with what's the will of the Father? To be obedient to him, to follow his ways, not to turn left or to turn right. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Wow. Do you see it? What was his vision? His vision was to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. And we ought to take the vision of our Savior on and say, right, if if it's my assignment, if it's my time, right, just like Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, Lord, I want to live a life in alignment with you. And if that means that you can show me people that are, that are lost, that as I worship you and as I witness, that you will come and you will save people. Save, seek and save that which was lost. I love the story in Luke 15, 1 to 7. I won't read the whole Story, But what it does talk about, it talks about the fact that the 99 were saved and okay and they were uh, saved. But the shepherd goes away from the 99 and he looks for the one. That's vision. He sees, he doesn't see the, the, just what, all the great things that happen. He sees the one that needs the Savior. Vision, his focus is laser-like. All right, 99, yeah, that's pretty good. The one. The one. My eyes are on the one. Not turning to the left, not turning to the right. Last verse, and we're going to, what we're going to do, a chapter, is in a moment I'm going to pass on the mic to some of uh, our leaders in this church. They're going to help me communicate the vision in different departments of our church. But John 4.35, the last verse, before we kind of move on to the next part of our service, is do... You not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Church, let us lift up our eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Can you see what our Savior saw? Can you see how focused he was? He saw that the fields were white unto harvest, harvest but the laborers were few. But here's the beauty of our Savior. He didn't just see things and think, well, that's difficult. The fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. No, you know what he did? He lived closely to 12 disciples, and he gave everything of himself for three years. He taught them. He poured out his life into them because he saw that this laser-like focus will be passed on. As I said before, how does his kingdom come and his will be done? It happens through us. He, he worked through his disciples and his disciples brought the, the word forth into 
the world. And now we are a result of it. And now it's our turn to say, Jesus, we hold on to your vision, to what you see is important. So what I want to say to you is to make things really clear. Sometimes I can think things and think people know things, but then realize it's really important to communicate. I truly believe how we can carry the vision of Jesus is in a simple few ministries that we have in this church. Some we're going to in a moment hear from. If Sunday, if you can put that up on the screen. Sunday service, connect groups, kids' church, youth, local and global missions. Now we're going to go backwards. We're going to go from the bottom up. I'm not going to talk about local and global missions because next week, right, we're going to talk about the new projects that we are doing as a church to be able to respond to the heart of God, to be able to reach out to the lost and to the broken and to the needy. I'm going to talk about some of the new projects that we're going to do that next week. And then week after, we have missions conference here in this church, and it's going to be unbelievably special. So I'm not going to launch into that right now. But what I will do in a moment is talk about youth. Sean will talk about youth. Joe will talk about kids. And I'll talk about Connect and Sunday service and kind of what's the heart of what we do and why we do it. We don't just do things to do things. We do things with a purpose in mind. So can you please welcome Sean as he comes up and shares around our youth. Thanks, Davo. Great to see everyone here. Um, yeah, so youth. Uh, I don't know if, who was here when I uh, spoke prop, like the full sermon on the Sunday. I shared a little bit about um, what uh, a vision or a dream I had about um, our young people being um, seduced into the world and, and basically being tricked into something that what, what the world is is, is uh, looks good on the outside, but it's just you know hollow and empty and shallow on the inside, and there's not not a lot of life there. Um, and it's this uh, New Year's um, theme about kingdom come through worship and and um, witness. Um, as Dave was saying, in in Jesus got twelve, and he shared that vision through them, and the way he did that was relationship. And so our, our focus in youth this year is, is building relationship. If you sum it up into one word, it's relationship. Um, this first term, we're focusing on, um, well, our key verse is Matthew 6.33. I'm sorry I don't have any fancy slides. I've uh, not thought to do that. Um, Matthew 6.33, since seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And it's similar to what I shared that Sunday in January, that we... We want to teach the youth, our young people, what it looks like to seek that relationship, um, what, it, what it means to read the Bible and how to apply how the Bible is written to our lives and how to apply those stories in, into the modern world and into, into the things that we experience in our lives, um, how, do we, how we strengthen that faith and just really want to build on... We did the Alpha Youth Series last year and we just want to build on that a little bit more and... Um, throughout this year that we hope to obviously ex- uh, explain all of that and teach them all of that. Um, but we want it to be a sanctuary for them this year, a, a place where they can feel God's love and our love for them, where they can feel safe and, and uh, away from the conflicts of, of the outside world and, 
you know, issues at school or at home or if they've got a part-time job. We want to create a place where they can just come and rest and be refilled and, and build that foundation for their future. Um, you know, adolescence is such a time of, of growth and confusion and, and doubt and unsurety and we just want to be able to build, that, build on that foundation we started last year with their relationship with God and, and um, then also build on their friendships. I know that when I was at, at youth and, and, and of youth age, there were many Sundays that the only thing that drew me to church was being able to hang out with my friends that I had made at youth. And that foundation, and I'm still friends with, with many of them now. We, we've, some of them have moved away and we have spread apart. But I know that if I rang them and I said, said I needed help or whatever, they would, they would do whatever they could to help me. And, and that's uh, friendships that I've had for 20 years. And it's, it's so important to have that foundation and that friendship and that safety net somewhere where uh, your young people um, are being fed life and not death and... And um, there's no sort of condemnation and no guilt and no comparison and, and just the, they're loved for who they are and we can teach them about God and God's love for them. Um, 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so we just really want to the vision is that, yeah, this first term we're going to focus on the relationship with God, but we want to also week in, week out, build that relationship with, with the leaders and, and the young people and the young people themselves. Um, I just want to share quickly about some of the topics that we're focusing on this week, this week, this term, so we've got 10 weeks. Um, last, last week was our first sort of themed topic. The first week we had was just a a week back and encouragement and, and you know, uh, we spoke about temptation and, and peer pressure and, you know, setting the fences now before you're in that situation and deciding, you know, if someone does come up and, you know, wants to lead them astray in whatever scenario that is, that they already know what they're going to say before they get to that point and they can say that with confidence and know that, you know, I, I get my value and self-worth from God, not from, you know, the school playground. Um, last week we spoke about the new and the old covenant and uh, this week there, John's up there sharing about what grace is and how grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card but it's, it's, it's a gift given to us that allows us to basically do what God wants us to do and cover the shortfall. Um, and then we move through to, you know, next week is the topic of you are what you eat. So, you know, whatever you fill your eyes with and your mouth and your ears uh, and your mind with is, will ultimately create who you are. And we want to be able to make them realise that if you don't choose what influences you, what influences you will choose you. Um, and we'll go further down into, you know, how to interpret the Bible in context and, and apply that to their lives and, and take the lessons out of the Bible and, and you know, I guess, modernise it to a point where they can, they can see the relationship with what's in the Bible to what they're experiencing in life. Um, and then, yeah, just really, really want to show them love and, and get them to, get them to, <laughs> teach them to build that relationship with God so that God's kingdom can come through us, through them. Yep. Can we thank Sean?
Your young people are in great hands. And the purpose of Sean coming up is, I said, don't hear it from me. Hear it from what Sean and Erica and the team are envisioning for our young people. It's not, you know, and, and, and I'm not dissing out any kind of, you know, uh, bad words against programs, youth programs or whatever that, are out, that exist in society and they're good or whatever. But this is not just about, hey, come and have a good time. This is imparting truth that will save their life, that will cause them to stay on the path of righteousness. This is about allowing them to have relationships that will be long-lasting, that will be life-giving, the kind of relationships that God intended for us to have amongst the brethren. Amen? We're, your young people are in good hands. And this is how Sean and Erica in, are envisioning carrying the vision of Jesus Christ, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven with our young people, relationally, imparting scripture from a young age, giving them a space to feel safe, protected, loved, cared for, and not criticized and not told you're not good enough or your identity is wrong or any of that stuff that we hear. No, God loves you just the way you are. And God's going to bring you close to him and he's going to teach you and form you into all that he wants you to be. But I'm going to invite Jo and she's going to talk about the kids. Can you welcome her? Thank you. Well, I might start out by saying that um, I'm not actually the kids leader. <laughs> and that's, a, that's an area that we are really praying for a bit of a, a change. We have wonderful kids leaders and we have a wonderful kids team. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Simmy's out there right now leading. Uh, we've got Lyra who leads, Candy who leads, Clarissa who leads. Um, Sarah, Sarah's assisting, yeah, but of course she's helping lead as well. And we have a lot of uh, parent volunteers and just beautiful people in the church who come and volunteer because we always need a minimum, minimum of two people out there. Um, but uh, nobody at this stage has wanted to take that role of, you know, the kids' leadership role. And so that's something we're praying for. So as a church, uh, please pray with us and pray that the Lord will bring somebody into that position and maybe raise somebody up into that position that, that will be willing to do it because it's such an important role. Uh, this church values kids. We value children. I think you can see when we have them up the front, this church doesn't shy away from the noise or the distraction even sometimes, although I do pull my kids into line quite a few times. But you know, we love and we value children. We know how much God loves children and how Jesus gave the example when people were trying to make them go away. No, no, no. What are you doing? Let the children come unto me because they are the children of God. Their angel sees the face of God. Their children are so precious to God and Jesus is protective of children. He says, better to put a stone around your neck and be thrown into the ocean than to take one of these little ones away from me. So Jesus is very protective of kids and we love kids and we value them. When we don't have kids church on uh, in, the, in the school holidays, you'll notice we've got kids in the service. I mean, it's colouring in. There's, there's, we've banned Play-Doh. I have to say we banned Play-Doh because that did not go down well. But we, we love our kids and we love not just Dave and Mike, we love all the kids of this church and so they are valued and they are welcome here. 
I just want to read, similar to what you were talking about, Sean, I want to read from Exodus chapter 10, verse 21, and it's talking about the scenario here is the plagues, the plagues that hit Egypt. And it says here, it's talking about the plague of darkness. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be a, dark, a darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. Whew. So Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the people of Israel had light where they lived. And that's just, just think about that for a minute. You know, I know we're not in Egypt, but we are certainly living in a time of great darkness. And I'm not glorifying the darkness because the light overcomes the darkness and God's kingdom is coming and building and growing. And we know that that mighty glorious day is ahead. But there is darkness all around and there's a darkness that can even be felt. It's an oppressive darkness. Some of this stuff that David just mentioned as well, this identity stuff and there's all these lies and, you know, we are in the world but we're not of the world. And we want Kids Church to be a place where your children, where our children come and they are not in the darkness, first of all because they're in their family unit that that's the safest place they can be when a godly family unit is glorifying God and God is in the centre of the home. That's number one, safest place. But then as a family, you come and you bring your children. This is more light here. This is like Goshen over here. We are, we are the people of the Lord. And let our young people come and be in the light and see and hear truth and let that truth penetrate deep into their heart that they're not walking around in the darkness and let them become the light that then goes out into the world and shines. Because it, like Dave said, as they grow in the house of the Lord and they're so strong in their relationship, like what Sean's saying, they, they won't be able to help themselves. They just become the light. They are the light bearers of, of Jesus. So that is our heart. <clears throat> we also want to be a kid's church, excuse me, <clears throat> that raises our kids with a hope for the future. We want a hope-filled generation. The Bible is full of scripture talking about hope. But I know so many young people and youth and kids age are out there terrified at the moment from the things they are hearing. Uh, I'm not going to get political or anything like that, but just this, so many things they are being fed that are so fearful. And there are kids out there that don't even have a hope for tomorrow, which is we don't want, we pray that those kids are going to come here and find that hope. But we are raising up a generation that knows that the righteous will inherit the earth. It doesn't matter what's going on right now in the temporary, in the long run, the righteous inherit the earth. Let's read from Psalm, I'm sorry, I don't have any fancy slides either. Psalm 37, where am I? 29. Would have helped if I highlighted it. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. That's just one. Okay, there's just one of so many verses that the, that the Bible teaches. What about Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We want to raise a generation 
that doesn't have its head in the sand, okay? Now, kids don't need to know absolutely everything on that's going on. There's age appropriateness, of course. But as parents, we are, when the time is right, we raise a generation that's not unaware of what's going on around them and is yet not afraid either because they have a hope. They have a hope in God and they know his promises for their life. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so that's okay. But hope-filled, godly generation, fearless generation that's going to rise up. And, and we want to have a lot of fun doing it too. We want kids to come to church so excited, have games, have friends, have food, have a lot of fun. And I just know for me growing up, like Sean was saying for youth, me growing up in kids' church, I have such great memories, singing and dancing and those scriptures that they made us memorise from a young age, they're still with me <laughs> to this day. And so it's valuable. We don't, it's not just a side thing that we do. It's one of our, that's why it's on this screen, it's one of the main focuses of our church is kids. So thank you. Amen. How awesome. Turn to somebody next to you, brain break, and tell them, praise the Lord for vision, God's vision. Tell them, let them know, praise the Lord for God's vision. Right? How, how good is it to know that, you know, again, right, we recognize from Scripture the importance of what Jesus says about children. It's not to dismiss children. We are to impart Scripture, truth, life, hope from a young age, from as, as, as early as they can remember. Because we know that we're all aging and eventually they will be leading this. And so it is so, so important. And so I want you to know, church, that if you have a, a child in this church, then they have a, a great future in this church as far as what we see. But what Joe said, if you've got a heart for kids and you're thinking to yourself, oh, they don't even have a kid's leader. Wow. And God's beginning to stir something up in your heart. Come and talk to us because obviously not anybody can lead kids' church, but we'd love to have a chat and see what you can do to be able to help us in that space. Okay, so Sunny has got that slide up. So thank you, Sunny. So as I said, local and global missions, a lot of it will be discussed next week and week after. And I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. Sean covered youth so well. Fantastic. Joe covered Kids Church. And I just want to finish with covering to quickly Connect and Sunday services. Now, Connect and Sunday services, in a lot of ways, similar but not similar. The fact that we come together, right? We greet each other. We, uh, you know, we, we, we love to be able to chat in the foyer. We have that time of fellowship. That's valuable in, on Sunday service, and I, I love that. But I probably want to more so... Uh, focus on connect because I truly believe connect is another way that we can carry the vision. We can carry the vision of Jesus Christ. We don't carry the vision by accident, right? I didn't accidentally jump onto Old Bathurst Road and run up that ridiculously steep hill. I did it on purpose. I, I wanted to have an outcome from it. Your growth in God your development, your ownership of kingdom come, will be done, depends a lot on your buy-in, on how much you want to say, hey, 
I'm in, what can I be a part of? What can I do? And this is not about doing. This is about pursuing. Okay? We're not here driving the doing. Do more. Do more. You don't do enough. Do more. No. No, no, no. The point of this is to help you understand that if you are to grow in God, if you want to hold on to His purposes, it's intentional. So the first why for what I believe you know, connect group is so powerful for is for the growth and development of the believer. It's for the growth and the development of the believer. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 says this, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. There's a real, uh, it's a real wonderful verse that helps us understand that it will really highlights the different stages of spiritual development. Now, here's the thing. If you're in this church and you've just come to the Lord, you might be at the stage of milk, and that's wonderful. You're coming and you're, you don't fully understand Scripture and context and, you know, why does it, is it in this interpretation, in that? It, I don't know everything. And you're maybe at that milk stage, and that's wonderful. But here's a challenge. There might be others here that have been associated with the church or, or Christians for quite some time. But when you hear this verse, you're thinking to yourself, I think I'm still on milk. That's on us to go, you know what? There is solid meat. There is nourishment and richness in God's Word that you can grow into and understand and, and grab a hold of and have revelation. But it's up to us to be intentional and say, I'm going off mommy's milk and I'm, or formula or whatever it might be. Sorry, I'm a father of five. It's my context. I'm moving on, and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to go attend a connect. For example, this passage highlights, as I said, so spending time with believers further along on their journey is beneficial. I truly believe that for spiritual growth and development. You get to be able to hear insights and experiences that other Christians have had on their walk. And it's beneficial to you because you're like, Praise the Lord. Others have gone through the same things as I have gone through. And, and this is a scripture that helped them and it can help me. And you get that. You know, on Sunday, as you know, you are sitting and you receive. And hopefully you're a good steward of the word. And hopefully you, you know, take on what you hear this, this morning and you go and read scripture for yourself. And you, you know, you, 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 you in fear and trembling, understand what God was wanting to say to you and applying it and all that. That's very important. But it's a one-way street, right? I'm like kind of just preaching and you're listening. Difference of Connect is Connect gives you the opportunity to ask questions. It gives you an opportunity to even share some of your fears or doubts or what it is the enemy is trying to cause you to fall off that path, whatever it might be. You have a chance to Unpack that. Have people gather around you, love you, care for you. As we continue to work out our faith together in fear and in trembling. So I truly believe Connect is powerful for growth and development of the believer. But it's also, I believe, for the growth and development of the called leader. The called leader. And what is a leader, by the way? A leader is not a title of some kind of position to boast about. No, no, a leader is a servant. 
it, it gives you an opportunity, I truly believe, to be able to be the servant leader, just like our King Jesus was, to be a servant leader. Romans 12, 6 says this, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophesy, let us prophesy. Sorry, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us minister. He who teaches in teachings, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There's an instruction here that God gives you gifts and you are to use the gifts. Joe and I are very aware, right? We recognize that there is so much gift in this church, people of God called by him to be able to exercise their gifts, hopefully, God willing, in this church, amongst the different things that we've been talking about, kids, connect, youth, Sunday service, so many ways in which we can take what God has given us and impart it and bless the church with it to build and edify his body. You grow when you go. Who knows that that's the truth? When you actually see yourself as somebody that can contribute rather than just somebody who receives and takes, when you go to that contribution stage of your walk, suddenly right, you grow because you realize that there are people that are depending upon you. People actually need you to pray for them. People need you to actually call them up and say, hey, how's everything going? Can I be there for you? When you go, you grow. God gives you the grace. As Sean was saying, God gives you the grace. He enables you to do his work. But you must be willing to say, Lord, I'm in. Lord, send me. Take what you've given me and use it for your glory. Can everybody say amen to that? You grow when you go. When we want it, so let, let, let me make it super clear. We want to empower people to fulfill God's calling upon their life. It's, it's not a two-man worship team show or, 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 or no, no, no. It is as many people. There is, there is a stream, I believe, of opportunities to invest into God's kingdom in this church. There's not a shortage. There's a, there's a stream. There's an abundance of, hey, if you want to be called and used by God, step in, step in. So much spiritual maturity happens when you are responsible for others. I already said that. 1 Peter 4.10, growth and development of the, of the leader, right? 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received the gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The gift God places on your life is for the benefit of others. It's not about our position. It's about others to advance God's kingdom on this earth. I recognize God's gifting on so many people in this church. Can I tell you? And I'm like, step in, step in. We want to see that. 1 Corinthians 2.26, and I want to talk about another why of connect very quickly. We're coming to a close very, very quickly. But 1 Corinthians 12.26 says this, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. There's a beautiful picture here of unity, of oneness, 
of carrying each other's burdens. You, you, you're not meant to carry your burdens alone. We carry each other's burdens and rejoice for the good things God is doing. And I can tell you the truth. I've been in connect groups. I've, I've been a part of connect groups. I've also led connect groups. And it is a real beautiful place of uh, safety in the Lord, feeling like you're not alone, like there are others with you, standing alongside you. Having a small group to share needs and burdens might be, uh, might be something that you might want to consider because I truly believe it will be a blessing to you. And lastly, lastly of why I believe Connect Group right, will help your development and help in, in, in your whole, pretty much your Christian life, is there is strength in numbers. 1 Peter 5 8 says this, Be sober, be diligent, vigilant, sorry, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy. Joe talked about the darkness that was felt, right? There is an enemy. But you're not meant to do your faith journey alone. You're not. Not single people, not couples. Your faith journey is meant to be done with others, not families. Nobody should be alone in our walk and our journey for Christ. How the devil would love to kill, steal, and destroy those who are isolated and alone. He looks for that. He looks for that opportunity. But when you're in community, in Christ community, you're protected and loved and prayed for. There is strength and protection in togetherness as we agree in prayer for anything. That's what the Bible says. If church is the only form of connection, can I encourage you that connect is for you? If, if, if your, uh, if your um, opportunity to be with Christ's people is uh, on a Sunday, if that's as far as it goes, can I just encourage you, not tell you off or... You know, not say you're doing enough. Again, it's not about doing more. It's just let me encourage you as your pastor that I truly believe there is more for you, right, to step into by actually being intentional about, hey, is there a connect that I could go to? It's going to help develop me as a Christian. It's going to help me carry the vision of Christ and not let it be a, some, a thing that slips through one ear out the other on a Sunday. No, no, it's going to be something that I think about often, something that I carry. Can everyone say amen to that?